Hey folks, welcome back. It's a goodlifebabe.com. Jeff and Joel's Tales from New Orleans. We're going to talk about the Pelicans. The Pelicans. Zion! Yeah, you're right. Welcome back, everybody. It's goodlifebabe.com. Jeff and Joel's Tales from New Orleans. It's your uh, Pelican Zion NBA final show. With Zion in Babylon. Special guest, Wheeler, in the house. Our NBA, uh, uh, what do you call it? A um, He's part of the NBA crew. Fan? No. Super fan? No. I don't think I'd go as far as super fan. No, I would say you're like our, you know, you're our expert. NBA expert. Yeah. Strong word, but. Uh, you're one of our NBA experts. Yeah. I would say. Yeah. Yeah, I don't want to slight Aaron. I don't want to slight Aaron. No, yeah. but. Yeah, Aaron's a little... He's our... Okay, we have two NBA experts. One focuses on, leans towards EQ, and the other one towards IQ, right? Emotional quotient and intelligence <laughs> yeah. quotient. Yeah. I mean, very clear. Aaron is a super homer. He's a super but EQ actually, guy. actually, when it comes down to it, so am I, though. I just hide it a little bit better. But Wheeler is more of our IQ expert, I would say. Like, your objective... Definitely got strong opinions about the <laughs> yeah. Pelicans and about basketball, um, and I'm ready to I'm ready to share those. This is after proving that I really don't have a whole lot to say about uh, the state of New Orleans culture and the fact that we should not be not be calling our neighborhoods by plantation names. Very good point, Jeff. <laughs> <That's all right. laughs> it's Zion and Babylon time. Unbelievable. After enduring, you know, the worst Pelicans season in our memory um, yeah. and we've had some bad ones we've had some bad ones we've all sat through some bad ones and you know we enjoy the NBA the NBA scene in general so we actually do enjoy going down and just sitting down real close in a bad NBA game and just listening in watching everything that's going on seeing seeing whatever players roll into town that week this was the first season that we've had in a long time, maybe the most that I can recall that was really became painful to attend the games. Yeah. So it was quite a shot of adrenaline, vitamin B, and cocaine in the arm when we were all like jumping around like freaking lunatic. Lunatics yes. when we found out that Zion was going to Babylon. Where were you guys when, when you heard the news? I know, but, uh, but did you share that? Oh, yeah. oh. Well, yeah. yeah, yeah, we've yeah, definitely sure. talked about that. Yeah. On the pod? I think so, right? We Probably. talked about, well, okay, I'll just, I'll just sum it up. Um, uh, I was in the hospital when it happened, and Joel was there. And Griper and was there. Griper was there, and Joel went fucking crazy in the hospital room. <laughs> and there was a guy that was in there. It was first day on the job. The first day is named Brian. Brian. Now, shout out to Brian over there. Remember Brian? Give, Brian. Giving the good care. And Brian also, University, like, he, hospital. Went to, he went to college with uh, Alfred Payton, our point guard. Yes. And they lived in the same like dorm. Like Jeff. Right. Like Jeff. They're both Cajuns. Right, right. Like me. I'm a Cajun. <laughs> uh, uh, so, he... Uh, uh, Joel just jumped out of his chair, I have to say, and just started going fucking crazy <laughs> and high-fiving people who had no idea what the hell was going on and were there to like take my 
I don't know, blood pressure. Your vitals. Yeah, take, yeah, exactly. And take get, the vitals. And get you ready for your chemo trip, because I think that was the first night you were there. Yeah, it was the first night. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, 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 so. <laughs> so, but he, as it turns out, Brian was, is a big fan of basketball, and, and he was, and he, ha- he was he happy kept, to find out you know, through that experience, and, and he was like, I'll never forget that. He did say, I'll never forget this, and then he kept creeping back in because the Golden State-Houston game came mm-hmm. on after. Right, and so he knew we'd be watching, so he kept creeping back. Well, that's in. the kind of room that we run over there, man. When I'm <laughs> yeah. in there, it's a, it's a, it's a, it's a, it's a place where people can come and, and congregate uh, when they're when they're having difficulties with other patients. You had to do your rounds as a nurse. Where else would you rather be? Yeah, yeah. You, you want you Joel want to be there. Jeff's tales from New Orleans. <laughs> <That's right. laughs> hey, same with our uh, our lady from Jamaica. You know, even though she's not into basketball, she just likes the positive vibe. That's well, right. That's right. You know, Norma. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Norma. Norma. Oh, shout out to Norma. Norma, yeah. super nurse Norma. I wish exactly. she was single. Yeah. <laughs> uh, well, our setting yeah. wasn't quite as interesting. We were just on my back porch with a with a bunch of the basketball gang. You know, yeah. Jeff and Sammy and Dan were out there. I think Fuzz and Meatball at some point were there. You know, and we were just reminiscing about this Max and I jumping around like we were crazy when we got Anthony then. Davis. Yeah. You know, and wasn't that great and. Freaking no, nobody, not a single person in this city, nobody had any real hopes that it was actually going to happen. But the point is, we. But went as soon from, as we jumped, we jumped jump. early in the the process. Like we jumped to the we top three, to top, top. We four. jumped to top four, which was super exciting to us because we knew that that put us a seventy five percent chance of having Zion because right. we knew that the. Knicks and the Lakers, the Lakers would. would trade him to us. That's There's a good right. chance the Suns even would. So when we sure. saw that top four, we were already we're giddy like we're in as great fuck. Shape. But you know, we were like, as long as the Grizzlies don't get the number one pick, as long as the Grizzlies didn't get it. Right. And that's right. when I it jumped up and down. That's why it was seven. Right. When, right. when the when Not the seven. when the Grizzlies got the Grizzlies. number two or whatever it was, that's when I freaked out. Well, and obviously that's also because we knew that the Pelicans had number one. But hey, just before we get into the giddiness of and what happens next with. Uh, and obviously, we're drafting Zion and what happens with AD and the future of the team. Just getting back to those doldrums that you were talking about, you know, after AD um, demanded the trade. One of the first games back, you and I attended with Meatball, and someone had puked. I mean, this was maybe the first home game. First or second home Talking game. Talking about when we sat behind Anthony's mom, and yeah. this was the first game home game after, after Anthony requested a trade. Either right. after he requested a trade or the first one that they forced him to play in. There might That's have been right. one earlier. But it was the first time he, he played in New Orleans since the demand trade. And uh, Wheeler goes to the seats and he sees that there's some like vomit in our season oh, no. seats. And he had just happened to have seen our like season ticket representative and knew he was right there. So he texted me like, hey, we got an upgrade. Come down here. And it was like center court... 12 rows back and it was fantastic and it was a weird game because really AD, weird everybody AD was, was deciding food. whether to cheer or jeer or idea at least we were deciding other people had made up their minds some people were pissed and were right. booing AD and we were kind of on the fence I we mean were, we still had a lot I never, of love I for never him booed. And I yeah never I know booed. I'd I didn't either but there were a few sarcastic comments flying out and just sarcastic sure. enough that the dudes 
behind us, you know, had to poke me in the back and say, hey, wait a second. You know, that's AD's mom sitting right in front of them. And I'm sorry, <laughs> to steal Joel's punchline of the story, but I think that's it. They bumped us up to right. the center court, you know, 12 rows behind, sitting behind AD's mom on the most awkward Anthony Davis game of exactly. the year. I mean, it was an awkward season with him all out, but the most awkward game, the first one, him playing back in the arena after they forced us wow. to play him and, and he's out. Yeah, and even the national writers noted that it was really weird in the arena because he was getting booed, but then he was making phenomenal plays. Like, he went off that game. He did so many athletic things, and the crowd just couldn't help but cheer. You know, so it was this weird, yeah, like, yeah, yeah, this weird uh, dichotomy. Well, between having mom in front of us and Bipolar. and his play on the court, we were definitely chanting for him to be on the court at the end of it. They did bench him in the fourth quarter. Yeah. Uh, and then down the stretch, I'll just say again before we move on to positive pastures, I embraced the end of the season. And I know Wheeler, you were talking about like how this was the most depressing season as a Pels fan. I had an, an opposite experience. I just decided I felt like, hey, we have a good chance of getting Zion because of the Knicks and the Lakers and our thing. And you know, I'm just going to go to the arena. I went to more games than I was even scheduled for. Like, I was just picking up $3 tickets on a random night that I didn't have a ticket for. And just to see what Gentry was doing. And I think this is a good segue to talk about Alvin Gentry. But the way he had those kids playing was so much fucking fun to watch. You know, when there, when there were only like three to 4,000 people in that arena, like on a Tuesday night, like mm-hmm. it was empty. You know, and they filled up like... 1500 of those people played halftime like they had like the senior dancers the junior dancers the juggler like all the local like groups like so they had this like crazy I love half- that about basketball halftime games. shows yeah but the, so they all like fill out the seats during the game you know and uh but the the ball movement was really nice and they played really hard and uh k rich and chris wood shout out to <laughs> shout, you. Out. shout out to ken k rich to, to, to ken rich williams and to uh chris wood uh you're my favorite players now on the pelicans roster <laughs> you guys played uh your fucking asses off and your hearts out and you played good team ball and uh also of course uh our boy uh uh shoot why am i spacing his name our second round draft pick from kentucky frank jacks Oh, oh second uh, round draft. The center. Uh, gosh, uh, send me, give me the check. Check Diallo. Check oh, Diallo. Kansas. Okay. I love Diallo. Um, love that guy. Yeah, check Diallo. I've he, liked him since played, since they got him. He played great. He's a pogo. He's a pogo stick. <laughs> yeah, he's fun. So uh, I'm just I just preface what we're about to get into as we're turning a huge new chapter with the Pelicans is that. As a sports fan, things can completely blow up in your face and you can still enjoy the process of NBA basketball because it was fun to watch. And I know everyone was emotionally like upset about 80s decision. I just didn't have any of those feelings. You know, to me, it's like I feel like I'm I don't know, maybe I'm, I'm like a Terminator like type person. There's a CBA, you know, I mean, AD made a mistake and the fact that he asked for a trade six months sooner than anyone ever has in the history of CBAs, uh, collective bargaining agreements. And he made a mistake and he was took bad advice. 
but I don't take it personally, you know? And uh, I enjoyed the product that we had on the floor at the end of the year. I think his agent <clears throat> was making a shrewd cal- calculation by trolling you, Joel, personally. <laughs> <laughs> He's like, this is going to fuck with Joel's head right here. Well, he failed, obviously. He failed, obviously. You know, I totally appreciate, you know, typically... And I guess it's a little hard to put a finger on it because I agree with everything you said. I mean, I I enjoy a losing basketball season in its own way. I mean, we reap the benefits of living in the smallest NBA market in the country. You know, the, when 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 our team is losing, the place is empty. You go and sit wherever you want. You right. can hear everything. Exactly. They can hear you. Exactly. You can go and really, if you drank too much, you can really mouth off and make an ass of yourself and really have players look at you wrong. Not totally. that I would ever do that, <laughs> but you could and. You know, it's a really fun experience. It's really fun to go sit right up behind. We like to sit right behind the, uh, you know, the visitors bench and you know watch them, watch yeah. which players watch the jumbotron and, and which exactly. ones stare at dancers' asses and which ones actually pay attention to coaches. And, it, and you know, it's got its own, it's got its own merits. Of course, it's always you know the it's always easy for us. I mean, there's no, it's super affordable to go to these games. You know, we drive five minutes from my house. There's ghetto free parking. You walk to the game you know 10 minutes from the house to the seat it's always super fun to go down and catch an nba game agree with all that agree on the anthony part i can't fault anthony he was actually doing the team a favor i mean so we're in the position of offering him a super max contract at the end of the year right and of course you know jeff's shaking his head over there but you know this is what got us zion williams is anthony's trade request because we were going to go one of two ways right if if anthony did not tell us he was out we were going to trade whatever assets that we had to try to make him happy and bring in reinforcements he told us i'm out so and we're going the opposite direction we're unloading people and we are getting a few assets in return and it and in the end, you know, it's like it, 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 it the, the percentage that came down to Zion came down, actually came down to like the one game that Alvin Gentry pulled to Chris Webber and called the, the time Suns. Pulled, called the timeout yeah. on purpose that he didn't have. Right. You know, I, it's really impossible to believe he that he didn't do that, that on purpose, you know. Right. But um, yeah, folks, down the stretch as we're trying to lose as many, I've never seen this happen before. The, the coach called a timeout that we didn't have as Wheeler just said yeah and yeah yeah to, right. to lose a game that we should have won overtime double overtime yeah. something like that and it was yeah. just like well that game yeah, made the after, difference after, I mean, after that wa- tilted us from four and a half percent to six percent that one game That's well right. yeah after watching Alvin Gentry you know unload his expletives which got out you know virally that you, you know he did that on purpose of course he did you know yeah he was it was all about setting it up right wasn't it like get bumping those percentages? Oh, of course it is. I mean, yeah, the NBA is uh, is it's it, it is all you know. There's about seven or eight teams who are trying to win. You know, seven or eight more teams who are fooling themselves that they might be decent enough and who are just kind of being trying to be entertaining enough to their fan base that they are attempting to make the playoffs and then the second half of the teams are all tanking every and, year. And you're talking about a coach who's trying to hang on to a head coaching job. You know, and he's probably and he's kind of hanging on by his fingernails. But he did coach maybe. his ass off, and he said all the right things about the situation. He contextualized it. He cursed people out in press conferences. 
and he got rewarded for he it. He did, and we and we fell as ass, he should, and we fell ass backward into a situation that's perfect for him. I mean, Gentry to totally. a fault is the ultimate player's coach. Right. You know, if I had to, you know, there's a lot of people who are down on Gentry, wish that we would fire him, and and if you in in the one thing that would really drive you about Gentry is the fact that the players don't come out with the intensity that they need to every night. He's not a hard ass, right? He yeah. is the ultimate players coach. People love him. He's all he's the ultimate people person, and that's kind of what we what we need right now. You know, we have a we have a young superstar coming in. We we're trying to build this culture of positivity with Griffin and Langdon where people actually want to be here. Which is really challenging in a small market, and it's and it's a different, difficult culture to establish. And Gentry's kind of the right personality for that culture, and and he is a good coach. And he is X's and O's. He's a good coach. He brings in good people. He's brought in some great assistants who have done great things elsewhere. Highly esteemed. Um, yeah. If there's a criticism, it's maybe he's a little too nice. You know, there's no, there's not an, even an ounce of. Tom Thibodeau in there, you know? But that could also, you could say, you put that on AD a little bit too. You know, a guy like Zion might bring that kind of fierceness to the court for the rest of the team. You definitely do put that on AD. A coach like Alvin Gentry relies on a player to bring that. I mean, we'll get into some like AD scenarios later that heavily involve Kyrie Irving. But if you look at Kyrie Irving as the example, V versus, say, LeBron James, yep. somebody who is going to come to practice every day. And if you don't fucking come and work your ass off, you know, you're not going to be there. Right. You know, you, you must you must try to raise your level of game of game to the alpha dogs, whereas Kyrie just comes in, talks shit about his teammates, you know, total failure to be an alpha dog, right? No leadership, right. no no setting a high bar for the people around you. And and Alvin's definitely the kind of coach who needed somebody to do that, and, and Anthony never did that. No, he never did. Well, I think Zion will be. Maybe this is... I, I, I want to go back to management at some point during the podcast and talk about um, Gail and uh, David Griffin and, and, and Langdon. But I think this is a good segue to talk about Zion. You know, um, my feeling is that, look, folks, who there are a lot of people who listen to this podcast who aren't into the NBA as much as we are. And I'll say that it's not just my opinion, but a lot of people's opinion. In the last 30 years of the prospects coming out of high school or college um, into the NBA draft, they would say, here's the order of the highest potential kids coming out. LeBron's one, Zion is two, KD is three, and Anthony Davis is four in terms of their potential in the NBA. So we've got, and some people even think that Zion might be in some ways more ready than LeBron. But Zion ahead of KD, is that what I heard? Yeah. I had to step out for a second there. Totally. Um, I can see that for the reason that KD is, you know, I mean, he amazed me in college and it's one of your college. You could already I wa- see. I watched every one of his college games. In college, you could see that he was going to be a kind of new kind of freak that had never been on the NBA court before. Just a, he was just a, a seven-footer with that yeah. silky smooth jumper, that lightning fast trigger, that, that nothing like that had been seen before. But at the same time, the one place where Zion exceeds him is in the motor is in the motor i mean zion is the perfect match of 
on insane athleticism, crazy motor, which is the number one determiner of whether somebody's going to be successful in the NBA, is how is their motor and how hard they're going to work. And when you combine that with the freakish athleticism, that's already you know you already know you're getting something that's off the charts at that point but then and then you you put the personality the fact that everybody loves to he's be around humble. this kid everybody loves him he's, he's humble. magnanimous is that the word um people people love him. he has magnanimity he has magnanimity magnanimity that's a special power he has a cape um, yeah, I, I think that that guy, I agree about the motor thing too. And I think that that's something that uh, is a little bit on again, off again when it comes to Anthony Davis, you know, from, from my perspective, again, like I always, everybody knows if you've listened to the podcast and you guys know that like football is my number one sport and I follow basketball kind of casually, but just from uh, casual observing of AD is like one, his his durability is a bit questionable, right? And I think even that people sometimes think, wonder if the injuries that he does have are things that you should sit out for the amount of time that he sits out. Well, you, no, you know what I mean? Nobody's ever going to accuse little, him of being Carl Malone. I mean, he seems to get hurt easily and for things that maybe aren't to you know don't require going to the locker room for many other players that's just bruised, a bruised fingernail yeah like a bruised fingernail or something along those lines yeah exactly yeah. i can't play because of this you know and i think that that's if you're a person who is uh really good but also doesn't want to take on the mantle of leadership like you talked about and then you have that issue as well that doesn't register really great with your other teammates you know what I mean? Like, yeah, it, like well, you're you're like, oh man, it's a know, it's a little bit prima donna. It's definitely it's definitely a connected issue because while Anthony has he has a great motor, he works incredibly hard on the court. He is hyper athletic. He is hyper long. He is hyper talented. It's certainly it's part yeah. of a, it's part of a leadership issue when he won't play through things that all the other guys are playing through. Everybody else on the court, and of course, Anthony with his freakish athleticism does you know to his. To his defense, gets banged banged around a lot more than most people will. I mean, if you're if you're flying around as much as he is, you're going to take some hard falls. But at the same time, you're right; he will not play through things that most of the other guys on the team are definitely playing through as they're trying to cement their position in the NBA. And that that is that is that is a knock on his leadership, no question about it. Let me float this to you, Wheeler, uh, along the same lines. I feel like the AD didn't do himself any favors. Um, and I feel like uh, New Orleans mismanaged this and, and inherently. Uh, Dell Demps mismanaged this. So everyone, AD and Rich Paul are going to tell you, look, we were here for seven years and we didn't win. So we're gone. But AD didn't want to play center. And Dell Demps succumbed to that. You know, he acquiesced AD. And we made a lot of bad moves. Instead of just sitting the young guy down, mm-hmm. who's not feel like Zion Williamson, like he has a kind of character in my mind that if he came in and said, "Hey, here's what I think I should play," I might listen to him, right? Yeah. But AD is this kind of soft dude who's not very mature, who doesn't play through injury like you're talking about, mm-hmm. and comes in and says, "I don't want to bang at the number, at the five position." 
in a increasingly positionless league, right? So why if you're not if you're Dell Demp, shouldn't you sit him down and say, look at twenty six teams? Twenty six teams have centers for twenty eight minutes a game that are smaller than you because we're moving to a small ball landscape. Mm-hmm. So the only people you're gonna have to worry about is like the Memphis Grizzlies with with Marcus All, um, Brooke Lopez maybe a handful of teams throughout the year, right? And in those games, we'll put in a banger who doesn't cost us any money. No, yeah, and, that's but, the but, thing. But a banger who doesn't cost you any but money. Instead, you know. But instead, to, 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 uh, to fucking make AD happy, we went out and traded first-round draft picks for bigs, you know, and spent too much money on them. And that fucked us up. We had a couple, I mean, a couple of Dell's, Dempsey's worst contracts were for big men, Agenza, and of course, Omer Sheik. But, um, but, I, you know what? Let's let's just remember one thing. Let's remember one thing. Those were bad contracts. How old is Anthony Davis right now? Twenty-six. Exactly. They were handling him with total kid gloves. Maybe to a fault. To a fault for sure. Um, Without question, in a league a that had moved on past centers. I can totally understand in the rigors of an 82-game season, you not wanting your prize superstar to have to go and bang against whatever thugs the other team is throwing out for 25 minutes a game. You need your own rented body for that time. Now, do you need to pay $11 million a year for that rented body? No. No. You don't. That was that was the mistake. The fact that he didn't want to play center in the regular season and they chose not to force him to pay the five, I don't fault that. I mean, to me, you should have unleashed your lineup. You should have had a decent enough team to make the playoffs if we could have stayed healthy and unleashed your lineup of death when playoffs come and not make Anthony bang 82 games a season, you know? My point is, though, I agree with everything you just said, but my point is that there's not a lot of banging in the regular season is what I'm saying. There aren't that many big men to bang with, you know? <clears throat> there are like six teams at the time that had like banging big men, you know? And that's when you throw out your thugs right? who are like cheap and have them go out and foul the fuck out of yeah. those guys. That, that, was, that, was a, that was a mistake. I mean, I, you, you, I don't know if you're pointing to that as you're like as the main... Has the main fault, the main place that things have gone wrong in the last seven years, and and uh, and, and no, it's I think one of the, one, of the, one of the main things, of course, the training staff being another one. You know? Well, I mean, welcome, welcome to town, Aaron Nelson. We've got a, a a legitimate basketball trainer in town, and a legitimate who's going to start and who has already a had, medical doctor had a promise of getting some money to get the equipment he needs to have a legitimate basketball side of operations. Yeah, medical me- operation staff. Medical yeah. doctor that specializes in sports medicine. Well, guess, guess who? Uh, <laughs> Something like that. And yeah, and so we end the dividing line between the two if they, organizations. If now. they can keep Grant Hill, if Aaron Nelson can keep Grant Hill and Shaq on, on and when, well, I'm talking about, of course, the 30, totally. 30 something year old Shaq on, on their feet, uh-huh. then certainly they no, should Phoenix, be. No, Phoenix had a reputation, and Toronto does now, because they have a genius health person up there, apparently. Um, Phoenix had a reputation that older guys wanted to sign there because they heard this guy who we had now have on our crew um, was a whisperer, you know, and made guys better, you know. Um, 
Well, well, I mean, more to uh, a kind of sense of vindication of us on this podcast is that years ago we talked about that article that that guy wrote, and it just seems like the Gail, that Gail Benson and her team blew it up. Like they, they, they took that article and laminated it and stuck it in a file and pulled it out. You know, again, and they're like, "Here's a here's a plan that we needed. Well, we needed to take the advice of, no, that's I in mean, this column." All respect is due to Gail. She seems to be doing everything to put her stamp on the Pelicans and to make them a winning organization. But it's it's David Griffin who worked with Nelson when they were younger, who brought them aboard. I mean, totally. they came they came up together. They came in the league. I know, but that's so once not she hired all him, and now she he well, no, but here's that's not thing. everything that I mean. But here's the thing. What I mean okay. is that they finally did also the dividing line between yeah. the Saints organization and the Pelicans organization, which was right. another thing that he had brought up in that article. Right. Here's so the it thing. wasn't just the medical right. staff. Oh, but Loomis, it was, Loomis got kicked. Well, no. Kick here's the, the thing. Saints sideline. Loomis has zero involvement. No, I know. With that's the Pelicans, what I'm saying. That's what I'm saying. It should have been the whole time. Okay. It should have been that so way. So here's the, whole the time. props. Here's the props to Gail. Gail, you know whose job David Griffin took? Loomis. Loomis. Yeah. Yeah. Loomis's job. He took Loomis's job. That's right. And and, and I'm going to tell you and right then now. He hired the dude. To you take know Gail this, and I know that. This is one thing I can comment on because I've been watching fucking Tom Benson since 1984, which is when I think he t- he took over the team, is what he took over ownership of the Saints. I've said this before and say it again. When he was alive, he had a weird loyalty to people, and it typically it was like people who were in his inner circle right around him and then it jumped down to people who were like at the lowest level in the sports organization like the guy who washes the clothes and everything right you know so like when he rolled in and fired everybody in the Mike Ditka era he fired everyone in the building mm-hmm. right except for the guy who washed the clothes and Ricky Jackson right. <laughs> okay he has this sense he had when he was alive this sense of loyalty and I think that's why he gave that over well. to Loomis because he he just wasn't intellectually thinking about the idea of of Loomis being incapable of bridging the gap oh, between two a, sports organizations. Good old boy. It's a good old boy, boy kind of thing. That is so and, permeated, and while while the NBA, you know, as well as all sports, but the NBA probably at the forefront has moved to such a like a, a micro analytical part I mean there's all you know this micro data and analytics sure, and sure. like and you vid- need video super and, smart and, capologists and like I mean it's just scouting. the exact opposite of Mickey's a smart guy you know let, let, let's let him you know let's let him handle look, it look the rest of the I, I listen to so many national uh, NBA writers who do podcasts and from the get go from the jump it was a laughing stock that Mickey Loomis was running the the Pels, you know. But and, but can uh, can I say and, something also? And the Is fact it? that Gail changed that, and now we brought in like a real NBA person, a real executive, and she's clearly paying for it because you don't get your boy from Phoenix to run the medical staff without paying him a lot of money. But but uh, <laughs> nor do you get. Nor do you get Langdon from... Nor do you get Griffin. Griffin turned down a couple jobs totally. prior to taking the Pals Yes, And I mean, it's not no. just about money. It's about him. Culture. And, and which is which is equally important that Gail kind of gave him the slate to actually run a real basketball organization entirely separate from the Saints. I mean, totally. it was a perfect Look, storm. I mean, these... you had a guy who wanted to create a, basket, a, a basketball organization 
with the proper culture top down and you had an organization that so desperately Screaming needed a makeover for from top down i mean it and was, we, but it's and funny we that, that, put that in place because of the because one. of the narrative that got put out there in the false narrative about how the ad stuff took place with the back and forth between magic johnson making these ridiculous assertions about the pelicans being the only fountainhead for the leaks which i find to be completely disingenuous and and the back and forth of course anybody from the lakers in mainstream media sports coverage is going to be given way more credibility than anybody coming out of the pelicans not organization to, and no today. i'm telling you not today. no no i'm well i it, it's not starting to the latest. it's starting to shift it's starting to shift a little bit but that is not the this narrative that we're talking about right now is contained within this room and within the city of new orleans nobody is talking about the pelicans as having made all these great moves she is not getting any kudos it is carryover from the AD debacle is what people, Ray, the Ray, way that people view. Can I give you one exception? The Pelicans right now. Can I give you an exception? Yeah, go Ray, ahead. Rachel yeah. Nichols. Well, maybe that's the only one. And she's and she's the other a, thing, she's I, a prominent figure on ESPN. She does the Jump, dude, which is one of the best shows on ESPN. Okay. And, and well, let's talk about. They don't have many. Let's talk about and misogyny and sports she, writing. She said then, a couple of things because that's what's going on. She's noted all the changes yes. on air. Yeah. And she also like said. You know what, guys? Why are we? Why are, don't people want to live in New Orleans? New Orleans is the best city mm-hmm. in this country. When, when, no, and to you know what? It, to live it, and she should be given kudos for that because that's that's what I think. Uh, but also basketball move wise, she was like, "Look what they're doing." Right, right. Well, well I think I think that we're you upgrading just, the facilities. You get you get female owners get hell in a, in a male dominated sport, you know, and you you. you, you you have to look no further than Jeff Duncan's uh, uh, outrageous comments about the former owner of the uh, of the uh, Los Angeles Rams. Right. Right. And he had nothing good to say about her when I called him out on Twitter years ago when we were identifying Jeff Duncan as the worst sports writer in America. And and we were like, how can you put her down for, for crying out loud? They won the Super Bowl. They went to multiple playoffs. And she had one of the winningest records during her tenure as the owner of any team in the NFL. And that was a, and these facts bullet pointed were the things that I pointed out to him. And he was like he just let his misogyny just crush that. You know, that's what, what you go right? ahead, man. Dog out of the millennium. Let me just say this. Jeff Jeff Duncan. I'll just say this that I feel for all the people that lost their are about to lose their jobs. At nola.com slash timespeakingun. Because as everybody knows, no, no, the, uh, the timespeakingun got bought out by the advocate and John George's and his crew. And uh, I have a friend who is a reporter there. And they haven't all lost their jobs yet, but they were all put on notice. And July 1st, they're all going to be out of work. Well, at least they have half-decent half reporters now that you can actually feel pity for. Because I was laughing when you I said, feel- made the Jeff Duncan comment. If you went, Jeff Duncan was not the worst... Sports writer no, in Jeff America Duncan. at that time, and no, not if Jeff, you read Jeff the Duncan basketball is. section of the no. Times. But you, not no. if you read Jimmy Smith, John Reed, John Reed and no. who landed DeShazer landed on his feet. He's an actual he. he no, just does radio, but uh, landed on his feet. Yeah, uh, but but Reed and especially it's Jimmy Smith, right? Is that his name? Jimmy Smith. I can't oh get down. Look, gracious. Look, I hate, I feel bad for everybody that's losing their job over there at Times Speaking, except for Jeff Duncan. Yeah. That's all I have to say. Yeah, unfortunately. Because yes. he wrote the most ridiculous article in sports that I've ever read in my life. And he doesn't like New Orleans. 
He doesn't. He's he, never liked it here. He wants to be in Kentucky, and he has disdain yeah, he for our culture. He has here. disdain for our culture, and he thinks that Louisville. He thinks we're all just, stupid. He he doesn't understand why Louisville doesn't have a team. Exactly. Any team, and and he can't get over that bitterness. He can't. Right. Exactly. And, and he, he thinks, doesn't understand how a market like New Orleans has two, and his city that has none. I don't know if they have hockey or whatever they he have. He gets they confused have. They don't have by red beans and rice on Monday. Like, he just, like, is confused. You know? <laughs> anyway, he wrote, he wrote that ridiculous... One day he did, like, a Twitter post, and it was, like, only in New Orleans, and it was, like, it was <laughs> oh an upside-down picture of, like, one of those movie set things back when we were doing a lot of movies here, you know? <laughs> yeah. And he yeah. thought that was funny that, like, vampire in the woods, upside-down, pointing left. You know, which you see all the time on film sets. No, no, because the the and he what thought he doesn't that was some sort of he was like what he, he doesn't, doesn't under, get it. He thought it was a mistake. Yeah, because what he what he doesn't understand is in order to differentiate differentiate themselves from other productions that are taking place around town, they use color and they turn the signs upside down That's right. on purpose. Right, that gets done all the time, and or, or just so you can point it to the right or the left, and it's no big deal. <laughs> and it's pointed to the right or the left, and it's no big deal because exactly. you turn the sign upside down. Exactly. Right. I know, right? Exactly. It's oh, the, it's that kind of thing. Yeah, right. Exactly. I can't participate in this conversation because I've figured out quickly enough not to ever read a Duncan. Oh, you did. <laughs> I never you read did. any of that you shit. Did. But uh, oh, well, good. I got into metaphorically uh, pouring out a beer for the Times Picayune as much of it as, as yes. it's a Republican rag that screwed us a few years ago by oh, the advocates going digital. I know it. John George's is John George's is are now our media kingpin. Uh, not a, not a great thing for not a great thing for the city of New Orleans, but uh, but yes, I am sorry to see it go. It's been a fixture. Um, it's going to be a part of you know. Yeah, uh, I agree. I agree. Play, it's going to join Schwagmans and K and B before long of uh, July first. It's done. On, on uh, what was uh, uh, I uh, ain't there no more. Ain't there no more. Yes, yeah. We saw that beautiful Mardi Gras Indian suit this year. With the, did you see oh, that? That was great. No, that was terrific. God Almighty. That was it. That was a terrific. McKenzie's uh, yes. patches. <laughs> yep, yep. Who would have thought of doing a McKenzie's patch or a K&B patch with somebody? Very that was really sweet. It, yeah. but, uh, Times Picayune, who would have, you know, ain't there no more. I mean, it's going to be, that's something else. I mean, you grew that's up right. here. I mean, yeah. even for me yeah. moving here, whatever, it's hard to imagine uh, New Orleans without a Times Picayune. It was hard enough to, to, uh, to deal with it when they went digital, but, uh, but to see it join the ranks of national newspapers folding their wings is... Uh, it's I mean, I didn't even—I didn't even know that Baton Rouge had a newspaper. You know, to be honest with you, until a few years ago, I was like, "What is this, the Advocate?" Okay, when you know, because when they made that decision, when they downsized, when they, they gave them that edge. They gave right, George a little right. room to move yeah, in and take right. that market. I mean, they downsized exactly. so heavily, so quickly that yeah. they opened up the market, and that's right. it ended up to be their uh, death knell. I guess I don't know. Maybe they're in a happy place selling the paper, but well, they invested in, in some good reporters. I think. Well, sure. When uh, when 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 Times Pick went the way of only paying, you know, a few dollars per word for little blurbs to be one of those uh, that you know the current model of newspapers around the country where you only have sound bites. I mean, decent reporters weren't, well, weren't that, sticking for that, and many of the best reporters went to the Advocate at yeah. that time. I mean, oh, for, yeah, for yeah, George's for sure. and the Advocate's failings, I mean, at least at least they hired the cream of the crops reporters who couldn't bear to stick around when we just went, when when NOLA.com went tabloid media. Yeah, but like but he, that was only spat, that was only because of their, because yeah. I think that the, of their necessity and their desire to compete and because they saw 
the hole that was opening up that you were talking about, you know, because Phelps sold the Times Picayune. I think it was to Gannett or one of those, or Newhouse, right? And and so it was part of a media conglomerate after that, and has been, you know. So it was under its sole proprietorship before that. One of the last newspapers, other than New York Times, and maybe there's a few others like that. Maybe the Post, the Washington. I know the Washington Post is not that way anymore. So well. I suppose it is because it's owned by Bezos. You know? Owned by the same conglomerate yeah. because you know because because the conglomerate that we're a part of, Nola.com is a part of, takes articles from the Post, so it's part of the same Newhouse. Group, yeah. Newhouse was the yeah. Well, you know, so that's that's what they became. That model that you're talking about, you know, and then the advocate was a sole proprietorship, and and I think that George has kind of scoped that out. A few years, I know we're really shifting gears here, but anyway, um, they are not hiring any of the people this time around. That was a conversation that I had just uh, today, as a matter of fact, with a, a reporter friend that works uh, for NOLA.com, Times Picayune, and she was saying, no, it's two people have been hired um, of all the people that are being let go this time yeah. because there's well, no need. Let's there's no competition. That let's now. hope that that's their downfall. Let's hope that someone else takes enough initiative. I know we're past uh, an actual newspaper in the hand times, but let's hope somebody takes enough initiative to put a digital journalism. I mean, the lens, I don't have a, you know, yeah, yeah their hearts. The lens is great. The, right the lens place. is great. They're great. Yeah. But, uh, yeah. but that's, that they're not going to be the ones, but let's hope that somebody well, else small, emerges. Small ball compared to like what we're talking about here, you know. And the gambit is owned by the advocate now as well, right? You know, so it's all you know. He's got a, this media tie-in, you know, and like, <clears throat> I mean, one thing is going away. That's great. Joel's just like yeah. coughing up along over here. Yes. Well, while while there's no one there to take that mantle now, let's hope that their complacency is is John George's death now. That maybe someone else steps up to the plane at some point and puts a better product because it's not hard to do, right? I mean, as bad as NOLA.com is, I still read it more often than The Advocate. The Advocate is not a great product, right? No. So No, it's not. It's, so let's, it's, not let's, it's not nearly as good. Maybe it'll be anti-gravity. You know, <laughs> anti-gravity is going to take over and, you know, become the new <laughs> the new Times Picky. Where you at? Where you at? It's going to take over. Where you at, magazine? Take it over, y'all. That's going to be great. Offbeat is going to, you know, rise to <laughs> national prominence. <laughs> Jan Ramsey. <laughs> exactly. Uh, so, all right. What I mean, what's going to happen with AD? What, what, where is he going? That's where I wanted to go next. Yeah. Well, we're at we're at uh, we're at a dicey juncture here. You know that uh, David Griffin and Langdon and maybe maybe uh, Gail were out there yesterday. Drew's already playing training with ad out there or stand, there they met you know they met and there was like a wall of silence nothing came out about what happened in that meeting oh they um, oh, right so right. i mean there's there's reality there's my personal opinion you know i'm of the personal opinion i wish that anthony would stay i think it's a really easy pitch for them to make personally i think it's a really really obvious and easy pitch for them to make you know, if you look at it from a rational sense, of course, I can't put myself in AD's head. I can't see where he's at. You know, there's these possibilities of what what does AD really want? Maybe he's just got to be in LA or New York. He's just got to be in one of the mega markets. Maybe it's an ego thing. He's got to see himself like on a 
larger stage maybe he just wants to live the lifestyle the party lifestyle in one of those places maybe he just wants to play with his buddies maybe he wants to form a super team i mean the way that the heatles did it there may be a new heatles forming in new york that's a suspicion that i've certainly had but okay if if you take take those things out of the equation just take it from a very basic level there's a real obvious pitch to ad to stay in new orleans of course first of all I mean, the Knicks and Lakers, I mean, we know that those are really disastrous organizations, disastrous situations. That's the two worst current franchises in the NBA is in the Lakers and the Knicks. Run. Yes. yes, the yes. management-wise, ownership-wise, two worst franchises in the NBA. So, I mean, that's one, one point. All right, AD, look, freaking, we've got this new superstar, most exciting rookie since LeBron coming to town. We are going to be in the national spotlight big time. We're, We're going to be on national TV as much. 22 or games more on national television. As yes, anybody else. Yes, that's right. Zion's going to be out there. He's going to be doing his thing. We're going to be handling him with the kid gloves. He'll probably get 32 minutes a game this year. Who the fuck is going to be starring in those games? When you're, we're on national TV, who is going to be the big star of those games? Yeah, of course, I agree. you're going to be playing 38 minutes a I game agree. and averaging 32 points a game. I agree. And be an MVP candidate. You got you got the Period. best one of the best two way guards out there. Right. You got this kid who is going to be drawing so much fucking attention from you. If you weren't as much of a monster before, now you got all these people trying to box out Zion. I mean, it's just going to be and, a, and, it would be a ludicrous feast of offensive rebounds. Zion automatically adds like four boards and six points to AD's nightly stat line just by being out there. Yeah, yeah. And their games uh, offensively complement one another. I mean, think about like uh, the pick and pop, pick and roll with those two guys, you know? Uh, because Zion is a rim runner, you know, and AD is a good pick and popper. I mean, it's kind of in- unstoppable. AD is happiest on the perimeter. Of course, he doesn't always remain there. He loves his little floaters. He loves sure. his runners. He's got some moves. He, he'll settle for the jumper sometimes. But, uh, you know, he, he is either happiest starting away from the basket and either cutting to the basket or creating right. his own or from the dribble from the high post. So, and Zion yeah, is, so he's starting up high. Zion is smart enough and willing enough and humble enough to feed the beast, you know, to like... Do what's necessary for the team to win. And I, I think maybe the argument, too, is that <clears throat> do, do you want to gamble at his age with something that appears very definite in terms of winning in New Orleans now, the way things are shaking out? Or do you want to you gamble that at 26 years old, you're going to wind up on some crappy team some rebuilding for, the next, for the next five years? And you're going to be staring down the barrel at 31 of having made the worst decision yeah. of your career like thus far. The, like Carmel I mean, Anthony at, leaving yeah, the Nuggets. Chris Paul, Kyrie. It, I totally. mean, it doesn't always It does not, it does always not work, work out. out. Look at yeah. fucking Kyrie Irving. I mean, Anthony's buddy, the one who he's supposed to play with somewhere in New York, Boston. Why not here? I mean, he could play here, but... I mean, God, if you put anybody else... What would what, what happen if you would have put LeBron with that cast in Boston this year? Can you imagine? They would have won 70 games. Totally. They might not, they might, you know, they might not have lost until now in the playoffs, even exactly. against Milwaukee or Toronto. Yeah. Totally. Yeah. Yeah. I, I, I do your basic question, Wheeler. I, don't, I, I sense that AD is not about the partying lifestyle or where he wants to live. 
I don't think he knows what he wants. I just think that <clears throat> he's tired of not uh, winning more in the playoffs in particular. Yeah. And that so he switched agents, and Rich Paul put a bunch of ideas in his head. And I just don't think AD doesn't strike me as a guy that really formulates a lot of his own thoughts in a very crystal clear kind of manner. I think he's malleable to outside influences, you know? I think he's a millennial kid who likes to play video games in his off time to pull pranks on people. Maybe. You know? And, and, and I mean, it's the kind of things that, you know, I've read a little bit about yeah. AD, you know? And, and, you know, again, it's, it's, you know, you can always go downhill in professional sports and you could be you could wind up dealt into a horrible situation that is not going to meet any of those needs and if that's what's really hanging him up because i agree with you joel that like i think that he's just frustrated with the idea of how backward the team seemed to go from having uh white portland out of the playoffs the year before in a sweep and that that seemed like progress and that thing should have gotten better and they didn't. They got exponentially worse, you know, right. and they weren't made any better by the bad advice that he was getting from his agent. <laughs> As you and I said, sure. he should have just fucking fired that guy. That's still the move that he ought to make. He should fire that guy and get a get another agent and re-sign with, <laughs> with New Orleans. I, I think that's the best move would, and the most certain move of any professional athlete that I've seen um, at, that plays at his level in the fucking in in, in that would be historical. in forever well, look, in forever Co- Kobe did it Kobe said um yeah he did Kobe he, was like he, I'm he, gone from the Lakers he severed himself no from no the Lakers, right and he, exactly. turned, he severed he, and then he came back because right. they because signed they got Paul, Gasol. Paul Gasol right yeah, exactly right. so take some advice from uh, from right. Kobe AD. again it all comes down to like what is AD's mindset I mean is he offended by the idea of having somebody who's as big of a deal as Zion is that going to be like something that his ego can't allow for him to you would hope not because like you said I don't think he has that big of an ego I don't think he has that big of an ego I totally agree with your point um, earlier that um, you know Zion seems like the freaking ideal 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 teammate he's like the perfect get in where you fit in guy as talented as he is he is you know he is not going to be the one at least at this stage in his career to try to say i need the ball it's me he's he is out there complimenting to the greatest degree what other people were doing and he's really the ideal teammate for anthony especially the fact that you know He's drawing so many bodies down low. He's drawing so much attention, allowing Anthony to roam. I mean, you know, if if Anthony is unchecked by two or three bodies, if he has any freedom whatsoever to roam, I mean, he basically owns the paint. And it kind of takes some pressure off of Zion, too, in his rookie year, if AD is there, you know, because he doesn't have to be the man, you know. And I think that Zion's smart enough to realize that and embrace right. it, you know? And of course the you know, the the promise of our pitch continues with with the culture, with the hires that we just touched upon before, Griffin, Langdon, Nelson. The re- the renovations. The renovations, yeah, a million dollars of 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 medical equipment, equipment and- requested by Nelson and Gentry. And then, of course, you know, the, the pitch continues as well with the Pelicans' cap sheet, which is really rounding into form. I mean, we only yeah. have one single bad contract left on the books, which is 
one year of Solomon Hill, which, I mean, if AD is so bent out of shape that I have to play with one of my buddies, if that's one of his things, is I need a Heedles-type situation, well, you could unleash one year of Solomon Hill pretty easily. We give away our first round draft pick for next year which you would hope is and not going to be that valuable and bring in Kyrie or and one of that his clears buddies. the decks for enough for for a Kyrie. I mean, we've yeah. already got, you know, basically enough cap space this year for a second tier free agent, you know, but if if you if if that's a must, well then they could easily make it happen to clear enough space to bring in a fourth top flight person now. Is it necessity? Is this the year? Is this the win now year? No, probably not. You probably just let Solomon's last year expose off the books. And and who's on? Do you know who's under contract for the Pelicans next year? No. Uh, how many? Do you know who's under contract for the Pelicans next year? I wouldn't know. Well, no. Solo. Okay. Is. No. Drew is. Drew. Solo. Anthony. Right. And eventually solo. Zion, and no one else. There is no contracts on the books. Oh, beyond past, the next past year. this year, right, past right, this right, current right. year, exactly. Are we have an entirely clean cap sheet outside yeah, of yeah, yeah. Drew and Anthony? So that's another. You got another perfect pitch. I mean, it's a basically you brought in it is a, some good basketball minds, and they have a molding clay. They're not. We're not the freaking Brooklyn Nets here. We're not like stuck in a rut. I mean, the world is our oyster. We actually have more picks than our own. We've got a bunch of extra second round picks, right? We've got our own pick. We've got a really great cap situation. We have one bad contract on the books for this year, which as it turns into an expiring contract as the year progresses is not that bad if you hold on and you dump that later on this year. And next year, that's gone. We have nobody on the books next year except Zion, AD, and Drew. So the world right. is our oyster. You can do whatever you want. Whoever you want to I play with, I don't if think you that help there's, Griffin yeah. make it happen, it happens. If you want to make a Heatles down here, do it down here. I mean, it can happen. If that's the one thing that he really wants, it can happen here because our books are about to become clean as long as you have enough patience. You know? so, I, don't, I don't think there's a single professional sports franchise that I can point to that I know of out in the world that's undergone as much top-down reformation as this as the New Orleans Pelicans at this point. I can't think of anybody. Yeah. You know, like like if 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 all of that is true what you're saying, then the reason why he wants to leave has to do with winning and some idea of it. And because well, it's you not can't about, it's you not can't about do winning. Unless, you can't do much more than what the Pelicans have done other than get rid of then yeah. uh, get rid of Gentry. It's, it's about ego lifestyle friends it's not about winning the only way it's about winning is if it's a truly you know Miami Heat kind of thing where an agreement's already been made like KD okay me KD, you and Kyrie, KD, me, and Kyrie and KD are meeting up in New and maybe York that's and that's it. all and that's, and that's winning they're gonna win well that's a good segue because let's say AD doesn't sign with us um, which all indicators point towards that what trades do we like um, we just talked about New York Really raced off to the bathroom. Um, what trades do we like for AD? We've got basically the Knicks, the Celtics, and the Lakers are the three top contenders who have right. the most asset assets. Uh, the Nets are in there. The Sixers could squeak in there right. in terms of assets. So it's like what... There's two questions. When Wheeler gets back, I want to ask him this one crucial one, which is 
if AD, we have AD under contract for a, another year, Wheeler, before we get into like what our best trade scenarios are, I want to ask you this. Before we get into trade scenarios, go ahead. Go ahead. Let's well, go I want to ask you this. Generally speaking, if AD does not commit to the long-term extension and we don't get blown away by an offer on July 1 in terms of a trade, do you think we should make AD fulfill his commitment under contract and play this next season with Zion and hope to change his mind and then knowing if he doesn't change his mind um, I mean my feeling is that under that kind of scenario if suddenly you're like 32 and 6 heading into the all-star break or into Mm -hmm. the trade deadline in February maybe AD changes his mind Um, do you and then you're going to get a really good haul for him at that trade deadline. You're going to get maybe the same haul you would get for him in July. My f- gut feeling has been like, make AD play. I think that's a good idea. Regardless of what he says he wants. But I, people have told me, do you really want Zion's career to be tainted by this cloud of uncertainty? Like his rookie year, when everything is already so unfamiliar you're playing so many more games and you're a young kid and you're being asked every single day about the status of AD. Do we really want that to be hovering over well, the team? Well, that's where the uncertainty about is about where AD's mindset is really hurts. You know, personally, of course, 100%, I would prefer to keep AD on the court until the trade deadline. I think, I think when, when, when we talk about this obvious pitch that's to be made about the improving culture about how well the team would operate, about how amazing it would be for him to play with Zion. I think that he would see that through training camp in the first half of the season. However, if his mindset is so adamant, like if he's like, if they come out of this meeting and he's kind of like, ah, well, yeah, I don't know. I kind of still want to go. Keep him in training camp. If he comes out of this meeting and he's like, fuck it, no, 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 no. I'm going to New York to play with... Kyrie and KD, if he's giving you a hopefully Rich Paul and Griffin have enough of a relationship where they can be straight with each other and Griffin's supposed to be a big straight shooter, if he tells him he's not going to be here, he's not going to be here. Personally, it hurts for me to hear. I would love to being the eternal optimist. I'm just dying personally to see these two guys play together. Totally. I just think it would be such amazing basketball. I think Drew, AD, and Zion already becomes one of the most fun teams to watch that has been in the NBA in a long time, especially with the cap space to add somebody really interesting either right away or a little bit down the line as a really fourth interesting player. I mean, it's just so tantalizing that I love to say, keep him. Keep him in camp. Make him change his mind. However, if the mindset right now is no, 100% no, then that's you have to take the best trade offer and you have to not poison Zion's young mind with a bitter AD going through those kind of like awkward yep. season that we went this year. But, you know, I, I hope that he's enough on the fence. I mean, like like we just went through in the past segment, it's just there's so many reasons for him to want to be here that I hope that they would be able to impress upon him that. And, and, and with all those logical reasons to stay, if he still wants to go, then you know his heart is definitely not here such to the extent that you have to trade him. If uh, if that's the case, the last point you made, what, what trades do you like the best in order? Well, 
It all starts and ends with Boston. I mean, Boston has by far the best assets for the Pelicans right now with Tatum, Brown, Smart, and Memphis's pick. You know, Knicks have some appeal with those Dallas picks. I mean, when you when you when you're setting someone else with AD setting up a team with AD especially who already has LeBron. Memphis pick is not for this year. No, next it's not this year. It's the coming year. The Boston's Memphis pick? It's not this year. It's not this draft. No, it's not this draft. It's That's the next, next year's. Yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. But it's it's uh, likely likely top ten in next year's draft. So that's uh, that's something that's so much better than whatever pick that you're gonna. You know, like when you trade when you're trading for some team's own picks and you're and and they're they're either pairing AD with LeBron, AD with Kyrie, AD with KD. You know, those picks are gonna be for shit. They're gonna be 20, 25, 26, 27, 28, and those are worthless. So I mean, what holds appeal is somebody else who owns someone else's draft picks. What holds appeal is young players who are not, who are still under team control for a little while. And I mean, the the, the top three or four assets that fit that description all come from Boston. No, I like I like Boston the best as well, just because of Tatum. Because um, I think of of the three teams, if you're just looking at the the Knicks and the Lakers and the Celtics, um, Tatum's the the best talent that that any of those teams have to offer. But it is tantalizing to look at the Knicks' number three pick for this draft or the Lakers' number four pick for this draft, even though I know it's not a great draft. I only get excited about the top two in this draft, so those picks don't excite me very much. No, I feel you. Um, you know, if we could, if, if we're going to trade AD, I'm more, I'm more of the school of get one of those teams, get the Lakers or the Knicks to throw Memphis an asset and trade up. I mean, right. I, I, you know... Talk talk to me about Zion and John Morant playing together. I mean, now now you actually sure. have something. Okay, sure. get one of those teams to trade up. But you know the the issue with Boston, unfortunately, them you don't being like the that best. kid who got hurt. Uh, what's his name? Garland. You know what I'm talking about. He's projected to go four oh, to six. The point guard from Var- Vanderbilt. Yes, I, I have to be honest and say I do not know that much about I'm him. I'm very excited. Been, about some, him. been some Russell Westbrook comparisons. I like him. I like him a lot. I've been watching a lot of video, hmm. and he got hurt. He was a top like they expected him to be the number one draft pick or two as coming out of high school for this year's NBA <laughs> draft. He got hurt um, uh, in his fifth game in college. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And man, I watched all of his like McDonald's highlights and like mm-hmm. uh, his first five game highlights. He's he's pretty good. Really, uh, it must like be really lot. athletic. I mean, they compare him to uh, to Russ a lot. Super athletic, lots of court vision. Um, can shoot it like he can pull up like Steph Curry, like from deep. Can get to the rim, uh, passes the ball pretty well. Um, but he's slight. He's probably not going to be a good defender early on. Like he's like dripping wet, like 185 pounds. That's that has some appeal, definitely more than uh, more than R.J. Barrett is not terribly exciting to me. Culver, not horribly exciting to me. Um, I'd rather go a little bit deeper. That's you know take a chance on Garland, Kobe White. I like a lot. Um, yeah, the, it, it's just. 
we need more than that for Anthony. I mean, it's got to be a, it's got to be a hall. It's just got to be a hall. You have to have a hall. I mean, I'm not dude, there's yeah, nobody there's hall, nobody dude. in this draft that is exciting enough that I'm more I'm more focused on somebody like Tatum, like Brown. I really like Brown's game. I'm more focused on uh, some some dark horse that has something to offer. Let, let me let, throw out something random. I mean, I know this is not one that's put out in the regular scenarios of Boston, Knicks, Lakers, Nets are the typical scenarios. Clippers. What about the Sixers? What about the, um, uh, you know, that's the... Uh, Ben Simmons is about that's the about as like device of the nuggets? nuggets. Like okay, yeah. Tim Connolly. Yeah. Okay, doesn't have quite the same relationship because our old infrastructure is gone. Tim Connolly and the Nuggets came from here. I mean, shit, I would almost flip AD for Jokic one on one. Are you kidding I'll me? Almost of course. Almost flip him one on one. I mean, Jokic would be the perfect, perfect, perfect compliment. To Zion, somebody who plays outside, somebody who creates. Denver would never in a million years. No, do they're that. not going to do it. <laughs> yeah. Denver is. would no. They would give up uh, Murray and a bunch of other assets, yeah. but they would never give up the Joker. Are you kidding? Yeah, I mean, come on, man. You'd be you're they'd okay. burn your house down as the GM if you fucking trade the Joker at this point. Would they? Yes. We would they only they didn't make it through the second round this year. Is there more? He's on the first team. Okay, he made the first. Let me just team. ask you this. Okay, let's do all, this. What are the NBA. what are the rankings of fan bases' most beloved players? And like, it can make sense or not. Steph Curry is probably right up there as like maybe number one or whatever. But Joker's in the top three. I don't know. I don't know. I, I in can't, terms of like I local can't get fan in the hands bases, of the, the Denver. Love. I, I don't know anything about what the Denver fans' feelings are, but how many basketball people out there would rank starting a franchise right there now? There would be riots in the streets if you traded <laughs> I know Joker. This is all really kind of. Nice. Have you ever seen a riot on weed? It'd be like a zombie movie, like slow moving. You know what I mean? I have not, not seen. Weed, I haven't only, seen it. No, but you would see it. Is what I'm saying. I might have You've seen never a seen it. Zomb- I might have seen a riot a slow on weed moving zombie. in a movie. Yes, but that's what I'm saying. In Denver, if you traded Joker for anyone, including AD, you would have this slow-moving, puff smell. You know, it'd be like this cartoonish (laughs) riot where they would eventually like knock on some doors. They wouldn't tear anything up or like break anything. There'd be a weed riot. They'd be like, "Hey, man, um, this isn't cool, dude." (laughs) You know. You can't. Are you sure about that? I'm, I am I'm not sure about that. If you give them enough legal positive. mushrooms and AD highlights, they would come around. But actually, the worrisome part is not the not the mobs of of fans. Really? The You're fact smoking that, crack, dude. There's no way Joker was like the third best player in the league this year. He would. They would be demanding something from us at this point. I mean, come on. Look dude. at the way that he played this year. Joker's so fucking good. And he's so such a good fit for that team and that city. I can't believe you would think he's a better player than Anthony Davis. He was this last year. I think very well. Okay, last year is a fucking anomaly. Anthony's fucking twenty six years old. I mean, I don't think there's many basketball people outside. I mean, of course, this is all. Joker's maybe the fourth best passer of all time as a big man. (sighs) No. Jokic is not. It's not to me. It's not a. He's no. RB it's not a bonus. fleeting glance thing. I mean, it's not a passing thing. He's really good. I think. 
is excellent. He, he, there's just no way Denver would ever. He's going to be excellent next year. He's going to be excellent for the next five years. You know, AD has stink on him right now because of the way things went down. Look, on the day of the draft lottery, I have some Facebook friends from college. When I went to college in North Carolina, and, and my fraternity, half of our fraternity were kids from New Jersey. So I've stayed in touch. Well, I just got in touch with them in the last couple of years. And they want nothing to do with AD for the Knicks. They think he's overrated. I mean, they're uninformed. I know, but I'm saying, as a fan base, as generally uninformed... Basketball operations staffs don't make decisions based on what their fan base is I'm just saying there would be a riot in fucking Denver. That's a good point. That's a really good point. There would be a riot in fucking Denver... If they, because so are you saying that they would make a? On AD. No, I mean, they would pre- the, that a public safety issue would prevent the trade. Yes. <laughs> That's right. There'd be like a the Denver Nuggets like would be consulting with the march. mayor and the police department of Denver. There would be before a, the trade. There'd at least be some town hall meetings, dude. <laughs> there'd be some town hall meetings. Oh man, Denver, Denver. I think the best thing you would do there is a one, one for one, like you said. You know, like well, and you'd be lucky and to it, get that. Of course, that. it wouldn't happen because Anthony wouldn't sign there. But Denver's team is so built for success with Anthony Davis. I mean, they have all these three, three and D players. You know, all these young guards and wings surrounding him. Joker you know? might be better. You got a power forward who can rebound and shoot threes. You know, I don't think there's too many people out there outside of Joel who think that uh, who think that Jokic is surpasses Anthony basketball worth wise. I don't. I know. certainly don't. I don't know. I don't know about that. I don't know how things go down. Look, it's I don't cl- know it's how close. much. It's close. I don't know how much basketball personnel you don't think that you're close? talking about is no, that, very close. I don't. I think that. I think that. I think that if you would have put Anthony instead of Jokic on that Denver team this year, they would have swept Portland like we did last year. I think people in those positions are as prone to prisoner of the moment sure. as anyone. Sure. Even though, think, even, though they're they're they smart, the even though they're Portland super smart, even though they're super smart, you, you so. see it happen all the time. You know, you, you got to give something to get something, and 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 th- as a theoretical trade, I think it's it works for Denver. Unfortunately, it's There's not a no realistic trade because it. the same. You know, all right, we started talking about Boston. I mean, the fucked up thing about Boston is. While they have the best assets to give us, I just personally don't believe it's going to happen. I mean, we all saw the disaster that unfolded in Boston this playoff season. I mean, they're like done with Kyrie, and he's done with them. The only way we get a haul for Anthony going to Boston is if he's going there to play with Kyrie, is if they're they're trading for him to pair him up with Kyrie. Do you have any sense that Kyrie's not done with Boston and they're not done with him? I've never seen no, a sense. more unhappy-looking team who's like Alpha Dog hated his team and whose team hated his Alpha Dog. How does he possibly go back there next year? I mean, understand. Uh, I, I mean, tr- they would trade some of the people he was unhappy with for AD, but at the same time, that seems like a broken situation. And unfortunately, my, it's... my hunch is that, in sense, is that AD, KD, and Kyrie. Uh, have spoken and they're all going to the Knicks. That's yeah. I mean, which means our hall is going to be like Knox, well, the number. What is it? The four, um, three. Is it the three and yeah. some other shit? You got the kid from Chalmette. You got the. Oh, they got, got the one from Chalmette. They do have a very. Huh. A, 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 they had a rookie from Chalmette who. Uh, Let's who, get him. 
Let's get him over here. <laughs> They've got Knox, who, who shot, what, about like 30% this year? You get about 800 Salmations, you know. That. Dennis Smith Jr., who looks <laughs> as promising as anything when you look at the tape, but who somehow Dallas couldn't get rid of him fast enough. Um, so I don't know about the pieces that you're getting there. I really don't. The one, you know, they've got the Dallas draft picks. What's going to happen with the the Donka Donk Porzingis situation? The three Dirks down there. Who knows? Sure. You know, those draft picks may be decent. Probably not. They may not. Probably not. Um, the Nets might so sneak in there too. By the way, don't sleep Nets, on the Nets. The Nets draft for, for, assets for, have no appeal for, whatsoever. No, for, for Kyrie, AD. Well, what do, we, what do you think, Jeff? Would you want a guy? Would you want a guy as your main haul back for Anthony, who who ratted out one of his teammates for don't a, slip, don't uh, sleep on the indecently on That's what D'Angelo Russell's most famous for. Don't, more than his I don't team. know. I mean, you know, you get you get people who are upset in a certain situation because uh, there are people in charge who are dicks and they don't like them and they want to be treated well and. That uh, can change on a dime, you know, when people come down and you see the attitudes. Uh, I think the Saints had somebody like that that was, like, total problematic player, right? The guy that we picked up from, what, the Giants, right? And uh, he Sh- was completely... Shockey? No, 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 no. It was a defensive back, Oh, right? this last season. This last season, yeah, right, yeah. exactly. And he was nothing but, a like, a problem child. Oh, Everybody Eli said Apple. Apple. Yeah, Apple was a fucking, just cancer a complete clusterfuck and a cancer. The word. That's teammate, exactly what they said. His teammate called him a cancer. He came to New Orleans, and you haven't had a single article about this guy, right. uh, about any kind of bad behavior issues at all from Eli Apple so far. And that's in the NFL where... where you know, people who behave badly continue to do that. Sure. <laughs> In the, you know, I mean, so, I mean, I know that that's just one anecdotal well, example. Yeah, no, but. we're not talking. Yeah. And you might not know the story. We're not talking about them. We were talking, Joel brought up the Nets, whose prime asset is a kid named D'Angelo Russell. Hmm. And it's not like he's been a problem teammate, except for an incident where he recorded one of his teammates talking about how he cheated on this fiance and it just that's a dick move ruin yes ruin the team chemistry at that point to the point where the kid is really good he was an all-star this year he's got some promise he's he's got game but the lakers just had no choice but to get rid of him because everybody on the team pretty much universally despised him hey that's that point that's only strike one and b greener (laughs) patches yeah, he played. You, he, would, he, you would definitely think that he learned from that he one. You would hope that he look. He played like an all star uh, for the Nets after yeah, that yeah. incident. And if we got some draft picks and and Russell, I'd be happy. Um, I mean, I, people. I think the Sixers are in play, and I think the Clippers might be a dark horse too. Young men well, do what? do grow up. You know, oh, I mean, yeah, absolutely. I mean it doesn't, it's the not like it doesn't of happen. This is that kid's got some really, really, really questionable judgment. The upside of that is you have to figure that he freaking learned from that situation. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, you just get one person who's like, you know, you're like one year out from not having a career anymore, you know, working as a security guard. After I did this, something you know, like, so dumb. Or you're going like to be playing in China or yeah. in Europe, you know. At, oh, I'm at some, so you know? ashamed of some of the things that I did from age. No, 14, I mean, of course. 14 to 23. Uh, right, right, exactly. I am so ashamed of many exactly. of the things that I did. I mean, there are many people who have, like, who have grown up really quick with the right person, like, talking to them and, like, you know, waving the idea of millions of dollars going away, <laughs> you know, in front of their face unless they, like, modify their behavior. 
Let, um, let me let me flip in, the question. in very very short careers, by the way, as well. You know, let me flip the question on you, Joel. We're both of the mindset that we believe Anthony should stay to the point of possibly containing him here against, against his, his will. will. Yeah. <laughs> but if 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 it's if he must be traded, and you know, and again, we're also of the mindset that. The most likely option is the Knicks and just accepting the assets that they have to give and getting as many as them as Griffin can negotiate it. But what's like what, four, but, 40 cents on the dollar, man? But what's your, what's your favorite option as far as trading them? I mean, you like the kids from the Clippers, you like Shy Gilgis, you like Landry, you, do you, you have any interest in, do you like Ben Simmons? Would you like to see Ben Simmons here? What's your, uh, what would be your preferred trade if they had to ship him out? Joel, why don't you take us out on this, man? I We're like, at about a buck fifteen, right? I now. like uh, the Celtics, but you know, uh, you mentioned that that might not be doable. But I, I, I like Tatum. I think he's the only guy of all the teams that have assets that are willing to deal. Um, he's a guy that's potentially a six-time All Star, you know. So I like Tatum, potentially Brown, potentially Smart, and draft picks. Um, that's number one for me. Um, not necessarily the Clippers. I mean, I, and then sec- my second choice would be Ben Simmons from the Sixers. Yeah, for sure. You know, I think a guy who can defend and ball handle and not have to have the ball in his hands to initiate the offense because you have Zion that can do that. I think it's a good fit. Any dark horse candidates out there? Any uh, dream trades such as my flipping one-on-one for Jokic? <laughs> Jokic, yeah. Yeah, I mean, Denver had crossed my mind. Um, yeah, dream scenarios. Um, you know, fucking send him to Dallas. Dallas would never do this, but for Donka, you know, <laughs> like I would take that. And some pieces and salary cap stuff. People aren't talking about Dallas. I mean, Joel, Jeff's ready to get out. We didn't even discuss the finals at all, but people are not talking about Dallas. Dallas has also got a ton and ton of cap space, and those young kids are like a very interesting off-season team that I mean, you don't really hear anything about. Por- but to me, Porzingis? they're super interesting. They have Porzingis, they have Doncic, what if we, and they what, have a what could they ridiculous amount of cap space. Well, I'm not talking about it even in respect to the Pelicans. I'm just talking about the fact that they're a very interesting team. I would not put it past Cuban. I mean, we don't want Porzingis. We made that clear to the Knicks, I think, was uh, already with the Knicks Knicks flipping Porzingis for those draft picks. I mean, that's either them trying to get assets to trade for Anthony or that's them just clearing their books – to prepare for signing Kyrie and KD without Anthony. It's one of those two things. But I think it was pretty clear Porzingis didn't want to come here. We didn't want him. So I don't think they give up Doncic, which kind of takes them out as a training yeah. trading partner altogether. So I was that just was my kind dream of scenario. That was but yeah. uh well I have to say before Jeff wants us to, to move it along, I do agree with you, Jason Tatum, by far the most exciting thing. When you look at him in the playoffs last year of him just toe-to-toe, chest-to-chest with LeBron. The spirit that we saw in with him in the playoffs last year, that's something really exciting that you would love to see on your basketball court every day. Much, yeah. So he, much more exciting a, than a number a three or four draft pick. I mean, that, yeah. yeah. That, that's definitely the cream of the, the, cream of the crop. And then, yeah, totally. Let's, let's hope one of two things. AD wants to stay here 
through the next year to see what happens, or at least through February and see what happens. Or he's open enough for us to keep him and say, hey, look, if you're not happy in February, we'll deal you then. If he's the 100% adamant, no, don't do that. I'm going to be miserable. Then I think, you know, the best situation is Tatum, Marcus no. Smart, and or Brown, and draft picks. And I'd be happy with either one. We of can those. agree on that. I mean, you know, and we won't even get into the fact that Brown and Smart, to me, are both great players and people that I would enjoy watching every day and great assets to a basketball team. But how about the finals? Right. Let's, how about those Raptors? Let's do quick predictions since we're at we're at like a buck twenty now. We're, we're running long. What do you guys look? I'll just start. Five games. I'll just start. Um, people are all they're dismissing the Raptors because the Golden State swept a pretty weak Portland team, and my initial thinking was Golden State in six. But then I went on the Ringer dot com today, and they did like a one of their roundtable things where they're all asking questions independently with six different journalists or whatever, and they're all responding independently, but it's in the same article. And they all were like Golden State and six. And there's no way that's going to happen. If everyone thinks that's what's going to happen, it's not going to fucking happen. <laughs> I know, that's why that's I so said funny. five. That was, that was my... my so, I was that's why I said five. Golden State, five and a half. But, I think know. it's going to... Five and a half. I mean, I would say seven before I would say five. I think this Golden State... I think this Toronto team uh, plays great defense. And I think without Durant, they're going to... No, but Durant's going to be back by game two. That's what I read this morning. And you also have the prospect of Cousins coming back in the lineup but as that, well by game two. Is that a two. plus? I mean, that's, that's the one thing. Well, maybe coming off the bench, the it might be. You know, the J, I don't know. It's the J.R. Smith effect. You I know. know. I agree with can, Joel about can that. Can DeMarcus provide but, but, the J.R. Smith effect? That's then the you're one just, thing that might keep just, the Raptors in this series. You're throwing stuff at the Toronto team. You're, by then, they're just throwing so much fucking shit at this Toronto team. They have no way of stopping it. And that's why I'm saying five no, games. The war, but the, the, the yeah, five war, games. If I'm a Warriors fan, the last thing I want is to see uh, uh, Cousins on the court. If I'm a Warriors fan, no fucking way. They love he's, he's, he's going to lose Absolutely. you. Absolutely. He's going to single-handedly Absolutely. lose you. That's they're not going to give him J- that kind of minutes. J.R. Smith effect. When they're you, not going to give him those kind of I minutes. I promise you. In the fourth quarter, they, he'll, he'll, he'll do some stupid-ass shit. He that will. Sw- that sways it's true. the game. It's true. His the 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 dope, dead on arrival possessions. That's the <laughs> the stat that we made up. Uh, well, you guys are you know you're taking all my arguments away here because that's that's my point about this series is, the Raptors got some fucking big men, so you, the the you know you're not going to be able to get away with playing tiny. The whole time against them, Demarcus is going to have to get some minutes, and, he then, is. and then the J.R. Smith effect kicks in. That's right. And win you one game, and he'll lose you three. And Draymond's not going to be able to like run rough shot the way he did against the Blazers against these Toronto defenders. He's not. Look, I'm just saying, man. Toronto's going to give him a good series. It's silly to think otherwise. I'm just going on what you said. All right, I'm using your analysis. Joel. Which is? Which is that um, in the last series, you're like, they just don't have secondary shooters. Toronto doesn't. And and the Warriors are just stocked with secondary shooters. They sure. they just have any... I mean, get, well, good have, God. They have three players. Man, like makers. a guy that's three, like... Yeah. I mean, you don't even talk about Iguodala. For, they have Iguodala for crying out loud. You know? I mean, they, they're, they're just fucking stacked, yeah. man. Yeah, their depth is really weak this year. The depth is not there... 
their top six is still fantastic. I mean, Looney, exactly. Looney really, really, really McKin- gave them uh, gave them a six. Well, as Livingston begins to fade, Looney gave them this other freaking and outstanding six. Yeah, so, so to some degree. No, I know. I this mean, is. I mean, they, 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 oh, come on, guys. You know, I agree. Six. Yeah, it's going to be five or six, man. It's the Warriors. It's who they are. I right hate now. to pick with the Ringers, guys, but I I would have to go with the Warriors in six. This myself. is the most. Right. That the uh, this is the I, most vulnerable the Warriors have been, though. I think in this whole run, in my opinion. Yeah, <clears throat> I love I love to harken back to when. Kawhi was fucking tearing the Warriors a new asshole with the Spurs before before Zaza stuck his fucking foot underneath his jumper. That still kills me to this day that that occurred. And I would love to see Kawhi. Nothing I would, would make too. me happy. I would to too. see Kawhi get his revenge. I would for love that to. I would love to see and, that. And Kawhi is having one of the top five historic postseasons of all time. You know? All that said and done, he's got a young Siakam. He's got an old Gasol. He's got Lowry he's who's got hit Van, and miss. He's got, he's got, a Van, got Fleet. Van Vliet who shows up. All right, once I, in a I'll while. say this. I'll say Look, this. Van Vliet I'll go with six. Baby. This is I'll go with six if by game two KD's not back. If they're bullshitting about KD and he's not ready to come back I don't by think game KD's two, ready to I'll come go back. with six. There are some reports that and he might not play at all the whole series. There are some reports. Well, I mean, what I what I heard was one more game and that's it, and then he's back in. You know, so I don't know. If, I, I mean, like they're diminished without KD against defense, Toronto. I agree I think, with that. I think the defense of Toronto is a little unrelated. We went back and forth with the Toronto Milwaukee series with uh, with Hef. He was like, "Well, that game six is unwatchable." I was like, "You don't realize this how fantastic these two defenses are that are making each other seem unwatchable in the half court." It's not that these two teams are not ready for this. Well, Milwaukee was clearly not ready as they proceeded to just completely go into panic mode in Game Seven. They were not ready, but. The defense is, is fantastic. I mean, you, you know, Danny Green was off last week. Danny Green is coming back strong in the finals. You got Danny Green. You got Siakam in his length. You got Kyle Lowry's a little bit of a bulldog to totally. bother Curry. And you got Kawhi. I think that, defense is, I think that defense is going to give them a hard time. I mean, I think it comes down to... Is, got Dray- a is Draymond going to play like Superman again or not? I mean, if, yeah, if Draymond plays Jesus. like he did in that last series, I mean. Uh, no, but he's not going to be able to play exactly like that because the defense is going to be different. That's what I'm saying. Ooh. Who's going to be checking Draymond? Ibaka? Ibaka. Kawhi? I see it come. Kawhi, maybe. Between those two. Better than anything you saw in the last series, for sure. But look, folks. I say six for the Warriors. Jeff, you say six for the Warriors. I say I'm I'm saying five if KD comes back in game two, six if he doesn't. I was five and a half for the Warriors. I've just talked myself into seven. I'm going seven. I'm going Warriors. And oh seven. boy! I think it could be seven. In fact, I just the, the, I hope it is. The, well, I hope it's seven. The funny thing is, all the national people are saying Warriors and six. All of them across the board. All the national writers. All the Toronto fans are saying Raptors in seven because they realize they're kind of. No, of course they, they know they're going to lose. Uh, a few of the, yeah, nobody's going to sweep the fucking Warriors man, out of the. Yeah. Um, uh, in other news, the Saints picked up a center. 
Yeah. And and Woo-hoo. round two. They uh, lost one. Yeah. We, the, we lost one of the great centers someone. that has played the game Max in the last uh, in the last ten to fifteen years. Someone he was really careful. He, Max was, he was a phenomenal player for the Saints. You know, we came out on top in he the was Jimmy, better Graham. Than Jimmy Graham. We came out so far on top in the Jimmy Graham trade that everyone dogged Mickey Loomis out for when it really? happened. Really? Wow. What a dogged trade. him what a trade. out, what man. Trade. We traded for Max Unger, who was like easily one of the most solid centers. We had a rotating cache of centers before he came in on the team. We had a guy from Chicago who retired in the middle of the season. We had offensive linemen that played on the on the right and left side of the center who we had to substitute out, and then we got Unger in that mega trade, and uh, and we came out on top. And Jimmy Graham's career has never been the same since, which Absolutely. is not me dogging out Jimmy Graham. I think he's a Absolutely. he's a really good receiving tight end. More of a wide receiver than anything else, but he's got to have somebody like Drew Brees throwing him the ball, and that's all there is to it. Why, Joel? Because he's only got one move, and that's what you pointed out. That's he, he, all it he is. Can run, he can run two routes. And I just want to say also to Luke. Uh, Hold on. I, just want, I want to take us out with a tribute to oh. Flick. And I got a shout-out there real Who quick. Who is this a tribute to? This is a tribute to Max Hunger. I lost someone that I love. Is that his I lost someone. My feelings about Max Hunger. That I love. I lost someone. <laughs> we lost somebody that we love. <laughs> hey, and I got a quick shout out, Jeff, before we go. Yeah, go ahead. Um. Uh, Josh Metzen, uh, incoming freshman at uh, North Carolina, Chapel Hill, uh, who's a listener of the podcast. Uh, Oh, we've called him. My childhood best friend, he has a podcast, my childhood, his dad, my my childhood best friend, Steve Metzen, texted me on the night of the lottery and said, whenever you guys podcast about the Pelicans and Zion... Please send me the link because Josh is asking about it. And wants to hear it. Oh, that's great! So shout out to Josh. That's great. I hope you enjoyed this episode. <sighs> Zion yeah. and Babylon. And dude, our good, our, good, good luck in chapter. And and I appreciate yes, yes. Shout out and 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 I appreciate that episode that we had, man, because we went on to crush Carolina. Right. After that, Saints exactly. crushed them. I, yeah, fuck the Panthers. To the, the Josh, Pan- the Panthers move, were gonna, extremely frustrated. You're going to move Saints. on beyond the Panthers. <laughs> like you're going to like you're going to explore different worlds. You are, you are. Where you don't feel beholden to the fact that you grew up in Charlotte, North Carolina. Look, you're just going to find new teams. What's that? What's that quarterback's name? I forget his name. Man. What is his name? <laughs> Nam Kooten. <laughs> look, Nam. <laughs> I'm not even going to go there, man. Well, That's angry, but uh, but look, you just have to understand something that Cam Newton is never gonna get a ring, and it's just never gonna happen. Sidearm quarterbacks don't get rings. You just, yeah. It's never gonna happen. He had his you moment know. in the sun. He, he had his moment won in the, the sun. national championship, and uh, he thought that that it would be that easy to take it to the next level, and it's, it's not just quite not. Out it's that just way. not working out that way. All right, exactly, and it's not going to. He's the Chris Paul of the NFL. He's dapper. He certainly is. He's dapper and everything. You know, he likes to mope after a game. He's a, when mo- he, he likes He's a moper it. dapper. He is a moper dapper. <laughs> yeah. He's a dapper Chris moper. Chris Paul's a little bit of a moper dapper as well. <laughs> less so than less so than, than yeah. Cam. Yeah, Cam Cam has had some spectacular moping moments. Man. <laughs> exactly. That that I think would make He's any fan Chris cringe. Chris Paul is more of a dapper griper. He really you likes know? to. <laughs> 
We have a quarterback that never mopes, by the way, never. man, no. ever. He just <laughs> says, obviously, we didn't play well enough today, and obviously, we're going to fix things next week. Obviously. No, no, he's, he's, he's he always he always seems like a little pissed, you know, yeah. more than moping. Yes. Right? He's not like a moper at all. Not at no, all. No, no, we don't have He's that. like, we need to straighten this shit out right now. Yep. Uh, how much do you think he misses Max Unger right now, though? I think I think that's that song is playing in his head even more than in my. Well, we, we well I think that that's center. always a question mark. But this is one thing that I would say that I heard about this guy and his center playing at Texas A and M in the SEC, which is the biggest defensive lineman coming at you of any uh, conference in college football, and he never allowed a single sack. Scoblin. That's all. That, all I know is this: is that there was a lot of debate that this might be the best center, and that the one that got taken before him might have been a mistake. For those that like, this guy mm-hmm. is like the top center, um, and and it's not unusual for the top center to go in the second round, you know, because they're just not that many centers that get drafted uh, every year as a top priority, you know. But obviously, the Saints. What do we have? We have to do something to protect. Uh, and I know he's a rookie, you know, but I, he's got good people around him who are gonna who are gonna get him up to up to speed. And that ramp check man is a fucking beast, yeah. by the way, man. <laughs> Look at Wheeler. Yes, Pete and Ramchek were also greatly, greatly criticized. Mo's at the time. I mean, Pete. Uh, I know that there is. Uh, I understand what you're saying. You, you know, know? just it's just it just feeds into the Max Unger thing. People, Pete, offensive line. The our lines. I mean, the Saints were the best team in the NFL, NFC last year because of our lines. Our offensive line has helped to make Drew what he is. But still, offensive line is so unsexy. You trade for a great center, people don't want to hear it. We're giving up our fucking tight end for a center? I mean, tight end is fucking it's a throwaway position. We'll plug anybody in there. I like Center is crucial. I mean, when we, crucial. Draft, when we draft yeah. Ryan Ramchek and Pete, I mean, people flipped, especially the fact that kids I need flip. a minute. I didn't, and, flip. I didn't fucking sure. flip at all. I didn't say you two flipped. I said yeah. people fucking flipped. Yeah. I mean, people hated those picks. I hated those picks. I hope that they hate the more the fucking dumbass. I love that trade. The more dumbass Saints right. fans out there that, that hate an offensive line or defensive line pick, the more I like it because – I know that that's what we need. We need a defensive line forever, for fucking ever, man. We didn't draft a single defensive lineman inside of the first two rounds of the picks that we had other than Cam Jordan for six years. We didn't do that. You know, we didn't get anybody of quality out of that. Name a player. Can you remember anybody who got drafted? No, you can't because there's nobody there and then they finally prioritized it and we got a little bit of a line going on there and the offensive line is all you know i remember the year prior to us getting max unger we had a rotating cache of fucking dudes that were trying to play every position for crying out loud it was chaos on the offensive line for crying out loud that that trade to bring max unger in put put an anchor in the middle of that line man which lasted the whole freaking time and we talked about this too joel that like the main thing is to, is having a monster on the interior of Drew Brees' offensive line. He likes because he likes up. to he step like to up he on like the right. He has, whole, ten, he has his tennis feet. The whole move is the step. Tennis feet. He steps into it, right. He doesn't steps mind into. letting it collapse around on the wings. He does the big step up in it, and he makes the throw. So, yeah. uh, bold prediction to go out on. <laughs> We're at a buck 33. I think, it's a monster I, podcast. It's a monster podcast. I think Pelicans yeah. and Saints both make it to their respective conference finals this year. What I don't like is that they're predicting that the Saints are like the top 
team in the NFL. That's what I don't. Maddie, like. that's that's for you, Maddie Goldman. If you're <laughs> there we go. <laughs> Who hates optimism? He just hates it. <laughs> or is just worn down by. You might just he's worn down by the failed optimism. Look, can I say something? Something. God, we, we just keep going on and on. I ran into Maddie Gold okay. last night yeah. at uh, at Rouse's. Okay. okay, and he looked like a happy man. Okay, and and the reason why I, I uh, one of the reasons why I think that he's a happy man in general. Are and you and, super and uh, country fast. Uh, well, by. Country Superfest is over, but also got moved back into its proper location in Baton Rouge, which is mm-hmm. where it belongs. And the other thing is that the, which is a prediction that Tracy and I were talking about. I was like, you watch when when the Rolling Stones reschedule, the promoter of the in uh, arena concert is going to be Festival Productions. And I heard on NPR today that they are the promoters very cool so yeah. so cool. so festival gets Gotta to come out on top with the fucking rolling stones again right and i was like i know they're going to negotiate this man and they're going to add the thursday and then they're going to make it appealing and make money off of the thursday um but they're also not going to let go of this you watch and that's exactly what happened good. so like good good, good on them good for them you know i know a lot of people probably listen to this like what are you rooting for the jazz festival make money i'm like yeah i am rooting for them to do yeah. well with that because that was a that was a clusterfuck man that had to be dealt with and and i hope that they uh recover from uh from that debacle on, and come out on top you know because you know we need that festival and it's a great festival and Fucking i right. admire and, and and appreciate the people that work over there so come out in the book. that being said it's a good life babe.com jeff and joel's tales from new orleans we're gonna wrap up this monster podcast on that note and uh, we'll catch up with you next time folks yeah you're right